Hello, and welcome to our FPC Conversations podcast, where we explore how God is working in the everyday lives of people in the FPC community. I'm Josh Gillespie, the Minister of City Engagement and Modern Worship at First Press. Today's podcast is in honor of Reverend Dr. H. Spees, who tragically passed on this month. We are all grieving his loss along with his family and are holding on to the hope of the gospel. Though he dies, yet he will live. The interview with H. Spees and Randy White was recorded last month, and we are publishing it with the permission of his family because we all long to hear H's voice again, to benefit from his insight and vision, and to enjoy his warmth and his humor. In this podcast, you'll hear the quintessential H. What a gift he was to our congregation, and his influence continues. We hope that you are especially blessed by today's conversation. Well, good morning and welcome to our FPC Conversations podcast. And um, we're just really excited uh, again to bring you another conversation with people from our FPC community. It's a podcast about how God is working in the everyday lives of people uh, in and around the FPC community. And this morning, I'm super excited. We're kind of going to do a little bit of a different different angle on our podcast, but we have with us Randy White and HSPs. Welcome. Hey, thanks. Good to be here, Dan. So some of the folks that are listening, you know, know your names. You guys have been in and around the community for a long, a long time. Some may, might not, but we thought it'd be kind of fun to bring you two together because you guys have, have worked together and have worked in the city for a long time. So we just kind of start want to get to know you a little bit. So maybe um, starting with either one, <laughs> one of you, maybe just give us a quick uh, just a brief, like your journey, your journey, your spiritual journey, and how you how you got to Fresno. Sure, sure. Uh, well, uh, I met H thirty something years ago, and uh, wow, I just realized this morning, H, that's almost half my life. <laughs> it's only about like a like a quarter of your life, though, right? Because you're so much older than I am. <laughs> I know, I'm feeling it. Hey, honey. <laughs> it's actually only three years, but he's so much wiser. Uh, I uh, I met H really because in 1992, uh, God was putting a call on my heart to take more seriously um, what we were seeing happening in our neglected neighborhoods. And it turns out H had a deep history in that um same interest and a track record of, of commitment with John Perkins and Mississippi in seeking the peace of cities. But God was doing a similar work in his life. Uh, so we both sold our homes uh, in uh, 1993 and moved to the Lowell neighborhood together as we discovered that God was putting that call on our hearts. Hmm. Sort of been joined at the hip all those years. Yeah, it's... it's uh... It's been an amazing journey. In 1993, 92 and 93, if you can think back there, or for those of you that are listening that may not even have been born then, <laughs> that's scary. Uh, it was a time when the Rodney King riots, it was the L.A. riots, there were riots all over the country. It was a tense time. And here in Fresno, we found our city losing its soul yeah. because there were and 100 homicides that year, 128 gangs, 13,000 car thefts. And I think simultaneously, Randy and Tina and Terry and I felt called to uh, move from Clovis 
to what at that time was the highest crime, lowest income neighborhood in, in Fresno, the one bounded generally by uh, Belmont, Blackstone, Divisadero, and Van Ness. And uh, that's the Lowell community. Why Lowell? Why that particular pocket? Well, because it in many ways represented the the deepest need of our city, but it was also there had been planted there years before us people who had intentionally relocated there to make a difference. So uh, World Impact for one organization, but our own Joni and Marty Martin had relocated there. And actually, H and I had brought a bunch of students together, sat in their living room, and uh, asked the question, what, it would ta- what would it take to really do this all together? Well, we had, you know, I don't know, 10 people in the room, and we, uh, most notably, H and I kind of looked at each other and said, oh my gosh, what if we did this together? Mm. And that's how that emerged. Um, you begin to build on a nucleus of what's there already. And that's true across a lot of ministry disciplines. You don't always just start something brand new. You, you, you look where God is already doing something and you join it. And that's basically what we did. Yeah, I think joining Mar- Marty and Joni um, and, and when, when we moved in, we joined First Press. We, we mm. moved from the church that we had been attending to First Presbyterian Church uh, intentionally because we saw for, in First Press a congregation that, although it represented the whole city, uh, First Press is not an inner city church per se, but it's a church in the heart of the city that has a commitment to the whole city. And uh, I had known folks attending First Press, but the fact that it was located there, Marty and Joni went there, it just seemed like it was a wise move uh, to to change our church membership and to become a part of First Press. And that has, that has been very important to us mm-hmm. uh, going forward. I'd like to, can we run with that just for a minute, just yeah. that idea of it being an inner city church versus mm-hmm. a church in the heart of the city? Because mm-hmm. that does seem like there's, for those that are part of First Press, there's and those who've been oh, yeah. here for a long time, there's sometimes at times tension and sure. about that. Maybe. Well, you know, we've had many occasions to move out, uh, and that there's a lot of momentum for that. Actually, at, you know, 50 years ago and 40 years ago, as you saw other churches moving out uh, as the troubles increased downtown. But we think that, and I've noticed this in my three decades here, that really the DNA of our congregation is leadership. Uh, it's amazing how many leaders of organizations have been drawn to worship here and mm-hmm. find nurture here and a way way to express their leadership here. And I think that's the essence of, of our uh, makeup as a congregation is that we represent all the sectors of the city, mm-hmm. not just the so-called traditional ministry sector, you know, nonprofit ministries or churches, but also health care and government and business and education and you think about what we're surrounded by. It's just the the amazing talents and gifts mm-hmm. of the people of God mm-hmm. who are scattered into those professions every day except Sunday. Interesting. And so what a strategic placement we have here. And uh, I know I feel that. Mm. And that became, for me, a really important thing. I know it did for you too, H, um, as we struggled to minister in Lowell. Uh, because we never felt isolated in that struggle. It was a hard place. And we came in with you know ideas about what should be happening, and you run up against reality pretty quickly. 
Uh, and it's then you need the support of a congregation with with friends in all of the sectors to help you understand even what's happening. We began to gather people in those early years across the sectors, and it just gave us a much more intelligent understanding of all the sociology of the neighborhood that we just weren't prepared for. And some of the rough stuff that happened in the neighborhood, personally to our families, um, but also just in the social dynamic um, of people who are very different than you ethnically and in terms of class. How does change happen? It's super complex, and it, and you spend a lot of sleepless nights. And mm-hmm. it's it's there where kind of my friendship and partnership with H and others that had done the same, the Skibbies and many others in our congregation, Nancy mm. Donnett, um, that those partnerships became deep and meaningful and it, on, a, on a personal level as yeah. well. So H, think back when you first met Randy, what was your, tell me about that, you guys, fast friends? Was it a was it a partnership, mm-hmm. immediate partnership, or what, what was that like? Well, I, Randy was struggling with, um, you know, student ministry, uh, Randy had worked for years with InterVarsity and uh, really had a passion for what is actually going to be transformative in the life of a college student and what's going to allow a college student, number one, to come to a, a saving personal relationship with Jesus and then not graduate from their faith after they leave the community that's formed during college. Uh, how, how do you sustain faith into adult, adulthood and, and, and careers and what have you? And one of the things I think that Randy had discovered was that engaging students in the city had a, uh, a magical effect in terms of deepening their faith and, and creating a more sustainable, resilient faith that would outlast their college days. So I, that's what I remember about Randy. And Randy and Tina immediately had students living with them when they moved into the Lowell neighborhood. That was kind of a precursor to the Pink House and and uh, and the, the student living situation that that was all about. But I, I think also just reflecting back on what you asked, Dan, in terms of is, is First Press an inner city church or is it a church in the heart of the city? When you walk into First Press, you see the iconic rose window. And every time I see that window, I think of the connection that people have across all the sectors, education, law enforcement, government, all those spokes coming out from the cross at the center of that rose window. I think that's what First Press is, is that Mm. we connect, like Randy said, leaders from every aspect of the city every sector every institution every you know we have teachers we have cops we have uh, uh, government leaders we have business leaders uh, we, we have coaches and moms and dads and mm. and you see all that connected in that rose window I think that's how the Holy Spirit connects the city and one of the beautiful things about first press is that that first press hasn't needed to be the inner city ministry but instead, has partnered with many leaders to help establish, help help initiate ministries like Hope Now for Youth, like OnRamps Covenant Church that is an inner city church, like Bethany Church, which mm-hmm. is an inner city church, like Hope Now Church, which mm-hmm. is an inner city church, and, and holds these partnerships 
uh, with a very open hand. In other words, First Press invests time, money, prayer in these various ministries and many others, including the Mission and Evangel Home and many others, but with an open hand. In other words, not needing to control, not needing to own, but seeing that investment uh, multiply. And I think that's the key, is, is giving people who have been called by God and raised up to do these various ministries the freedom to launch and to mm. fly and to do great things. Mm. And First Press has this magical way of staying connected relationally, personally, uh, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. We felt that moving into Lowell. Why is your partnership important? Why is it important to have that that friendship and partnership during these years? Well, I mean, there there were some tough times. I mean, uh, you know, I gave uh, my my kids, I gave our kids a vote. Terry and I gave our kids a vote to move downtown. When we voted, my 16-year-old son, Franklin, said, Dad, I'm going to vote yes. And the deal was they could vote yes or no, didn't have to give any reasons because we knew we could guilt them into not moving, <laughs> right? But Franklin vo- voted yes, and he said, but it's going to cost me more than it does you. Mm. And the reality was is that you know a year and a half after we moved in, my next-door neighbor's son, Aurelio, who had been playing on our computer every day and shooting hoops in the backyard, was walking home from Tippity Middle School out at 41 in Belmont, and a gang altercation took place across the street. A shot was fired. It went mm. across the street and picked up Aurelio on the forehead. And the picture on in the Fresno Bee the next day was a picture of Aurelio's tennis shoe on the sidewalk because he was lifted right out of his shoe. And his mother and father asked me to go to the hospital with them first and then participate in the funeral. So Randy and Tina and their boys have had similar experiences um, knowing each other and walking with each other through the pain that is resident in our inner city neighborhoods. Mm. Was the game. vote majority, by the way? He yeah, yeah, left me yeah. hanging on the yeah, vote. Yeah, the, right, the, right. Was it a majority wins? The, the, or? De- the deal was <laughs> one no, it nixed the whole oh, deal. okay. So it was unanimous. Okay. Yeah, same and, here. Same. I think the there is an emotional toil that that has taken place. It's a it's actually a form of trauma, and having someone else to process that uh, with has been someone that you don't have to explain yourself to. You can kind of show up on the doorstep with tears in your eyes, and there's instant understanding. And uh, God has given me just a very small number of those people. Age is one of them. Uh, someone that you can confess things to, someone that you can say, ah, this is what I'm struggling with, it's someone that you can uh, wonder and ponder about your next move next year in this ministry or that, walking alongside each other. Um, Terry and Tina are a little bit like uh, alike as well, and Tina has mentioned more than once just how good it is to have someone else to talk to mm. uh, in the neighborhood. And even as we, you know, here we are at the other end, 30 years in the neighborhood, uh, with all the ups and downs and all the complexities, uh, times when you're just at the apex, and, you know, everybody in the city speaking your name and wants you in their meeting, and other times when the very people you've invested in 
turn around and try to cut your legs out from under you because mm-hmm. you're just not cutting it anymore. Mm. And the emotional ups and downs, that's been everything to have someone else uh, there for you at that time. Um, but but we've spent 30 years there and now, boy, H and I are in our 60s. And mm-hmm. no, that's not true. H, you're so much older than I. <laughs> I turned 70 in February. Yeah. Yeah. I'm further down the road. But, oh. you know, um, so the, the idea of Lowell being kind of, you know, the bottom rung of the ladder in terms of the city. And if you can move that bottom rung up to solid ground, mm-hmm. then you've changed the whole city. Yeah. Um, but also just realizing that that things change. You know, when you move into a neighborhood, especially in the evangelical community, evangelicals are so addicted to charismatic leadership, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Evangelicals are so addicted to fads. Um, we also happen to be have some good addictions, like to the Bible and to Jesus <laughs> and the Holy Spirit. But the dark side of evangelical culture, you know, we became a bit of, uh, each of us became somewhat heroic, but that can change in a moment. And as things have changed now, what, what was a pioneering work of something sacrificial moving into the community can now look, be looked at as gentrification Mm -hmm. and, uh, weathering, I think first press, what, what are we? 130 years old now? Uh, first press being anchored at first press, you, 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 you're part of a history that uh, allows you to move through those ups and downs of fad and yeah. public opinion with a little bit more poise, because mm. you've got a, you're tied to a community of faith yeah. that is rooted. Mm. And so we're at this transition point, and so we're sort of looking back, but we're looking ahead. Mm. And the looking back part is, yeah, you know, the neighborhood actually is different now. If, if you were to drive through the neighborhood and look at the, the, the statistics, how many houses are boarded up compared to 30 years ago, uh, uh, educational attainment compared to 30 years ago, just all these social indicators of health, mm. uh, it is physically and spiritually and socially a different place. Mm. Now, it's still a high need neighborhood. There's still too much drug use. There's... There's a disparity, income disparity. Um, there, all all social issues are, are still there, but it is clearly a different place than it was 30 years ago. And there's a whole new echelon of leadership that's been raised up as well. There are churches focusing mm-hmm. just on the neighborhood. There are people living on almost every block that are living there intentionally now, compared to just a handful. Is it fair to say the baton ago. has been passed in some cases? Like I, I think about Martin Park. Clearly, yeah. I'm. I don't know other situations, but in Clearly. some ways, have you guys feel like you're passing that yeah, baton a little bit? That's been happening for a number of years. I yeah. mean, sometimes the baton was passed. Sometimes it was Snatched. ripped out of our hands. <laughs> <Dropped>. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a good thing. I mean, yeah. I don't think there's a clean way to do it. Actually, mm. it's not always uh, clean, but. But for the most part, I, and even those relationships that really suffered in the process have also then now been turned and healed. And mm. so I know that for us, it was being beckoned to a new neighborhood, um, just about three minutes to the east, uh, the Jackson neighborhood, 
uh, still a historic first press neighborhood. Just there were probably twenty or thirty families living in the Jackson neighborhood mm. fifty years ago, as, as Roger Taylor just told me yesterday. <laughs> and um, so being beckoned there because uh, both of my sons and our six grandchildren live on that street in the same mm. side of the street, and the house came available next door to one of them. So um, we accepted that call, and it has been nothing but blessing. But it's sparked a lot of reflection about new seasons and, and what's ahead. And the thing that's, you know, something similar has happened to H as well. Yeah, you want to talk about your transition a little yeah, bit out yeah. of the neighborhood? Because yeah, yeah. it's an important part of the, of the conversation and the narrative. Right. Yeah, uh, well, you know, when I turned 70, uh, well, uh, let, me, let me back up. Two years ago, I got cancer. Now I got had a great surgery, great docs, and I am cancer free. Thank God. Yeah, but, that's great. Uh, then about a year later, I retired from the city, uh, and actually, Randy and I have started a new partnership to serve organizations that want to make our city better and other cities better. Uh, but, but we uh, in that in those transitions, uh, I had a, a friend of mine say, "Hey, H, you know, if you tapped out, if you died." Uh, would Terry stay in your huge 3,500-square-foot house on right. Calavera Street? I said, I don't know. I'll ask her. So I asked her, and she said, no, I'd move out with my kids. And my friend, when he heard that, said, why not think about that now? And that started a process of us thinking about this season of our lives. We have 16 grandkids, and most of them are out in Clovis. So we moved from the heart of the inner city to the edge of urban sprawl. <laughs> we, we now live at uh, Shepherd and Armstrong. Mm. And, and the neat thing is, is that our old house um, uh, is now uh, Jesus and Ana Covarrubias, who have been our partners in, in a street parish that we've hosted monthly. They've been our co-hosts. We're now their co-hosts. They're now living in that house, that is their home, and the I think the legacy of that presence, the presence of Jesus in that home and on that street, goes on through them, and it's it's exciting to watch. How do you define success? I don't know. I, doesn't the president of Uganda live like across the street from you in a mansion out there? I don't know. <laughs> that, you could do it that way. Yeah, that's one way to do it. But if you look back in no. that, like when people go like, did it, did it matter? I mean. Yeah. Well, success, you know, that's a, that's a big category. It you is. got the American traditional understanding of success, which is all about upward mobility. But I just think as kingdom people, we define it differently. Um, mm -hmm. We look for fruit, fruitfulness. Uh, it's really a, actually a profound question in a lot of ways, Dan, because uh, I have been someone who's been all about fruit. You know, my life verse uh, from John 15, I've appointed you to go bear fruit, fruit that lasts. And so if you're not careful... Fruit becomes the standard by which everything is judged. Oh, did I did fruit come from this this uh, mm. conference? Did fruit come from this activity in the neighborhood? Did fruit come from the pink house? Did fruit come? You know, you look mm -hmm. at those evidences of fruit. And the Lord in this season has utterly turned that upside down for me. Um, I'll, I'll make this brief, but I, I saw a, a, pro, a TV program uh, called Wild Harvest. 
hated the show, hated the host, <laughs> hated the show. But the this, it was about a chef who went out into the forest and foraged for stuff, mm. brought a bunch of stuff back, gave it to his gourmet chef friend and said, make something great. And he did. Well, that concept wouldn't let me go. Mm. I, it just rattled around in my soul for a, a few months prior to my retirement this last year. Mm. And then scriptures started popping out. The uh, the woman at the well, right after the woman at the well, um, uh, the disciples come back and think like, where'd Jesus get food? Did you get food? And he's saying, look, I'm sending you out into the harvest to harvest what you did not labor for. Hmm. And it was the same concept. It's like, Randy, I think... God is saying to you this season that he wants you to not orchestrate stuff anymore. Mm. Instead, to get yourself into a posture of readiness for whatever harvest he, he, he's been working on. And you're just going to be there and ready to um, say yes to it. So I look at success now, to answer your question, as my own sense of readiness every day when I get up and say, I inquire of the Lord, how might I be of service to your mm. kingdom? And to be able to pay attention then. Um, you know, uh, I've been reading a lot of Mary Oliver lately, the poet. And uh, I mean, she's amazing. She's that one, you know, she has the epigram. So what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? I used to think that's all there was to her. Oh my gosh, I've read her recently and she's amazing. But you can boil all of her poetry down to these words. Uh, pay attention. Be astonished and tell somebody. Mm. And I plan to live the rest of my ministry years out um, trying to do that. And I think mm. that's going to be success. H, for you, describe a time that you were feeling discouraged and also a time where you felt God's presence in the work of trying to seek God in the city. Well, I mentioned the death of my uh, neighbor's son. That was a that was a point of discouragement. There have been many points of discouragement. I mean, there was a time when we bought uh, two blocks uh, through a, a nonprofit community development organization that was Christ centered. Uh, that I helped to start. Um, we bought these two blocks downtown, and then with 2008, the organization found itself over leveraged. We had to work five years to to turn that around. It, it now has turned around. It's been remarkable. It's a, they're beautiful blocks. In fact, uh, Jake Soberall with Bitwise said that our presence there uh, was one of the inspirations that caused him to locate their original Bitwise mm. building mm. in that area. So, you know, you, 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 as time goes on, you begin to put things in perspective. Uh, but those were, there are discouraging times. There are times when um, you know, I was, I was asked, um, at one point to be senior pastor of a large church in town mm -hmm. and, uh, that church, I, I followed the founder of that church and, uh, seeing a church prepared for the next generation is no joke. I mean, it, it is hard work and there are great ups. I mean, we, we saw literal physical healings. We saw many people come to Christ. We saw programs started that ministered to uh, kids that were autistic and people going through recovery. 
but we also saw some real ups and downs in terms of some some challenges that where God was exposing weaknesses in the church that needed to be addressed. Mm. And, and those are hard down knuckles in the grit uh, work and sometimes very discouraging. But I think the big picture is that, um, hey, so what's new? I mean, Paul, look at, look at the life of the Apostle Paul. He got beaten almost to death, mm. uh, stoned almost to death. He ultimately lost his life under Nero. Uh, was shipwrecked and all those things. But in the midst of all those conflicts, I love Philippians 4 because in the midst of church conflicts and the conflicts of the most living in the most oppressive empire ever, the Roman Empire that crucified people to do crowd control, um, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to all. Mm. The Lord is near, mm. mm-hmm. and it's it's a it's it's powerful. And then he goes on to talk about the secret of contentment. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. I can live with rich people, and I can live rich, and I can live with poor people, and I can live with nothing. And I think I think back to your question about success, Dan. For me, I was born on the ladder of success, the American ladder of success, and I, and I was born, and that, that was so embedded with achievement. But coming to Jesus Christ and discovering that I could walk, he, he would walk with me through my life, and then being embedded in the black community for a number of years and spiritually formed there, and then in Lowell with people like Randy and other folks, I began to, I've begun to see that success is when it is a ladder and and I'm successful when I can go up the ladder hmm. and I can go down the ladder that I can relate to people at the top and I can relate to people at the bottom and everywhere in between. I think that's success that that's Jesus. Jesus 80% of the time, of the folks that Jesus related to were losers in the eyes of society. Mm-hmm. But he could also relate to the Zacchaeuses and the Matthews and the, and the, the 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 top people without inti- being intimidated, mm. and so there's that freedom that comes from going up and down the ladder and getting off the ladder. Yeah, Randy, you wanna? Well, H, I really appreciate that answer, especially your reference to Paul, um, and especially your keying in on the word gentleness, uh, because I think. It's a sign of Father Greg Boyle of Homeboy mm-hmm. Industries in L.A. He says that gentleness is the greatest sign of, of Christian maturity. Gentleness, out of mm. all the fruit of the Spirit mm. that we've been wow. studying recently here at, at church. Um, and I think that is one of your qualities. Mm. I do. Mm-hmm. I think um, a lot of a lot of um, Christian leadership, you mentioned, you know, we, we worship the charismatic Christian leader. They're not necessarily known for gentleness. The arrogance is usually the word people associate <laughs> with them. But I think that one key to your effectiveness as a leader mm. has been your gentleness. I know I've benefited from mm-hmm. that. Thank you, Randy. Encouraging. Yeah. Not everyone is called to move into a impoverished or rough neighborhood. Yeah. Father Greg Boyle is an example of someone who did that in Los Angeles. You guys did that in Lowell. That happens. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people that come and go that just go as it's not my deal. It's not my call. What words of encouragement, or what? What's the takeaway for someone that's not in that that season? 
Yeah. Yeah, I think it's more rare. I think it's a very unique call. Uh, the call is to incarnational ministry. In other words, to enter the very circumstance that you're trying to impact, but you do it in a way that it impacts you too. Mm. So if it was dark in Lowell, I cared about that, not because I was you know, so nobly committed to the concept of light, but no, because I didn't want to come home at night and have it be you know, the street lamps mm. not working. So you allow yourself to be impacted. Now, one way to do that is to move into a neighborhood, but God calls a fewer number of people to actually be that sort of incarnational pioneering minister. Mm. It doesn't remove us all at all from finding other ways to be incarnational, to entering into the world of junior high kids <laughs> and not doing it like dropping in for an hour and never thinking about them again. I think a call to junior high kids is harder than a call <laughs> to a so. poor neighborhood, yeah, personally. Maybe so. <laughs> because you got to really understand that's a whole different world. My yeah. son, Jameson, um, some of you know, run runs Youth for Christ for Fresno Madera. And he knows things about the, the mm. way kids think these days, the words they use, but, but the attitudes they're bringing that I can't know. It, but it's because he's immersed himself in that very world. Mm. And I think if, if you're um, working at City Hall or if you're at IBM or you're in nursing or healthcare, I think um, remembering to let the world impact you mm. in a way that you're really feeling the feelings. I'm thinking about, for example, Paul in Athens. He didn't intend to live in Athens. But he did that kind of magical, we call it a windshield tour today, but he didn't have a windshield to look through mm -hmm. back then. He was walking mm -hmm. through the city, mm -hmm. looking at where the marketplace was, looking at where the elite hung out on the Areopagus, looking at the synagogue, the religious systems of the city, seeing the statues. And it said that it disturbed him to his core. Mm -hmm. He let the city impact him. It wasn't just all about him impacting the city. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody can do that. So you can minister to the poor without living in a poor community. Mm. I mean, I think about our public school teachers, and I was just talking to a teacher, uh, uh, a Jesus-following teacher this week, Jeanette, who um, just retired, but she talked about praying for her, her students and, and, and some of the needs of her students. You know, I mean, when you get up in the morning, every morning, and you're going down into a, uh, a situation where your classroom is the warmest place, the most loving place, the most safe place that your kids uh, know in their life, mm. uh, or uh, uh, some of our cops that go to First Press. And yes, they're laying their lives on the line, but also they're, the, the, the great ones are building relationships mm. with people on mm. the ground. They know people. So it's that building community, that, that, that having, having the sense that we aren't doing something for people, we're doing something with people, and that we're all connected. And that uh, I always have a chance to share the gospel verbally, but also have a chance to live out the gospel and be that incarnational presence in somebody's life. I think about Scott Mosier, who's keeping our roads going. I mean, Fresno has about a $25 billion uh, deferred maintenance mm. challenge. 
Uh, how do you and and we're the we're California's fifth largest city, but our poorest city. How do you keep? How do you spread the butter so thin over the toast <laughs> that that it it it's it's good for everybody? Mm-hmm. That's what Scott does, and that he does it well and powerfully because he knows Jesus. Mm. We're gonna kind of start bringing this to a close, but I I want to kind of focus a little bit for a couple minutes on this new season. Thank you. That's just great words. Um, so this new season, you guys are both retired without mm-hmm. giving away your age, and you've made a choice. I yeah. mean, a lot of people get to this phase, and it's time to hang out at the bagel shop and read the newspaper and moan and groan about all the world's problems and maybe go play golf or whatever. But you guys are choosing. You're, you're more busy. You're busier now. It took me a long time to get a calendar to have this conversation. So. <laughs> I, I'm intrigued and 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 impressed, and so you guys have taken this retirement yeah. to a new level. And so, I, I, you know, I'm yeah. not trying to like pat you on the back, but yeah. it's important. Maybe you want to share a little bit about that more, and the work you guys are doing together because your friendship and your partnership is right. continuing. Well, that's the greatest joy. I mean, you could call this rewirement, I guess, or, or something. We need to invent a new term. Uh, yeah, H and I put a, a little consultancy together. We call it City Learners. It's an interesting name because it's it's a it's a play on a well-known quote by Eric Hofer, uh, who says it's the learners who will inherit the earth, the learned will find themselves exquisitely prepared for a world that no longer exists. Hmm. So both of us, you know, we both have doctorates. We've both been doing this a long time. We could sort of uh, make this an academic exercise, but. You know, talk about irrelevance uh, in the fast-changing world we are right now. It's you have to be more on your game, and one way to do that is to make sure that you're leaning into things that have an on-the-ground impact, that are helping organizations deal with the fast-paced change in the community, and actually formulate formulate plans that get out in front of that and are are prepared for it. Uh, so that's that's sort of one level. The other level is working with nonprofits and community benefit organizations to make sure that we're able to help them develop their second level leadership for the next echelon of new executive directors being grown out there. Mm. And so H and I are, are we just finished uh, one big project and maybe heading into another yeah. one right now. Yeah, Randy. Randy uh, is uh, mentioned a, a thing that we're calling the learning leader. Um, and it's a cohort of eight leaders that are sort of the the second tier, maybe the division manager or the project director within an organization that is someday going to be uh, an executive director or maybe go on to be a pastor. We're working primarily with faith-based organizations and and pulling those pulling together a cohort of folks to learn. Uh, spend three intense weeks uh, jumping into personal development and, and assessment and looking at what that means. And then the, sec- uh, the second set of three weeks, an intense look at their organizational development and how those two interact. Mm-hmm. So we're excited about that. And, mm-hmm. and, and we're, we're excited because we're going to provide some input, but also the interaction among that cohort and the fact that we get to learn along with them mm-hmm. is is really exciting. And then the city came to us and said, "Would you put together a a proposal for addressing homelessness in the area bounded by 
Highway 9941 and Fresno Street. So we had an intense 18 days of, <laughs> mm. of pulling that together, got it in on the deadline. And, and if this $17 million grant is funded, it's going to address uh, some of our toughest encampments with uh, outreach, shelter, and mm. permanent housing. So wow. it's fun to do stuff like yeah. that. So you guys are really taking in. I'm going to ask you guys one more question. Mm-hmm. And you each can respond. And the question is, so you probably heard this, talked a lot about it, First Press and Jeremy from the pulpit and throughout. And I'm going to ask you, what does as Fresno as it is in heaven mean to you? Well, you know, I, I mean, I think the more the more I go on in this thing, the more I realize that, and this is a huge gift of First Press too, the, the liturgical, the ancient, and making that contemporary ancient, you know, that, so the Lord's Prayer is a big deal. Mm. I mean, it is the framework that the Lord gave us for prayer. And to actually believe that our prayers, our lives, our community that we form with each other mm. makes a life-changing impact, not just on individuals, but on our society, on our city. That, that God loves and cares about people, but he also loves and cares about places because places shape people. Mm. And so the idea that that we can link and align our lives each time we walk in on Sunday morning or to a prayer group or to a small group in a home and we're a part of First Press, but we're a part of something bigger, that we're a part of the kingdom that is begging God, asking God, discerning how God is wanting to impress his kingdom on this place. Mm. That is that is a profound calling. Mm. And it doesn't didn't start with us doesn't end with us. We get to be a part of that. And we got people that have gone before us, the people that have come and gone and lived and died over the 130-year lifespan of this church that are cheering us on because they're part of the great cloud of witnesses mm-hmm. that, that made a difference in their generation like we are in ours, and that the people, that the young folks that we're investing in will make in theirs. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah, I, I think that's right, H. And I, I it makes me think of that, um, the verse that you quote so often. Is it Zechariah 8? Um, yeah, 8 4. This image of um, w- w- what would be the greatest indicator of the sign that Fresno is experiencing a bit of heaven? Mm. It's, the, it's the old person sitting on their porch great in age, watching children play in the streets, and they're safe, and somehow they're together. And why is that important? H, I've heard you talk about this so many times. The, it's because when a city has the uh, elderly protected and provided for, and the youngest of the city provided for, that's the greatest indicator of shalom. Why is that? Because mm-hmm. the oldest and the youngest of us all are the most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And when the city is working for everybody all the time and nobody gets left out, that means shalom has come. Mm. And of course, we experience that in degrees. So nobody snaps their fingers and suddenly shalom appears. But shalom is making things the way they ought to be, the way they ought to be in people, the way they ought to be for people, Mm. the way they ought to be between people. 
that shalom. And anytime you see these evidences like junior hires learning that they're loved by God and able to form a community that is able to insulate itself against the craziness out there or somebody going from an encampment to a permanent housing solution Mm. or somebody being cared for by a church to overcome their addictions. Those Mm. are all little indicators that it is happening in Fresno as it does in heaven. Mm. And I'm I'm really proud to be part of a church that cares about that kind of thing. Good. Well, I'd like to personally thank you both, Randy and H, for couple of things. One, you know, thank you for leading the way and the charge and being such an example to so many people and your ministry and your heart. Um, for me, somebody a few years away from retirement, but I certainly can say I watch you guys and and um, I know others do. So I want to thank you and thank you for being part of this FPC conversation and and look forward to this next season, seeing what happens. So, Amen to that. Yeah. Thanks, you guys, for being here. Well, I want to thank you for the beer, the wine, the <laughs> steak, and the tiramisu that you've served us here during this conversation. <laughs> it's been great. People love being on the podcast. <laughs> thanks, you guys. We are so grateful to Terry Spees and H's whole family to be able to hear him one more time. May his love for this church and for the city live on in us as we seek the peace of this place that we call home. God's kingdom come, his will be done in Fresno as it is in heaven. As always, feel free to send us an email to conversations at fpcfresno.org. May this podcast deepen your faith, deepen our love for one another, and ultimately help us become more like Jesus. Until next time.